Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. We're in a series called Choose Joy. Everybody say, Choose Joy. Let's try that one more time. Everybody say, Choose Joy. Okay, now I know you're here this morning. We're, we're, we're learning and discovering that this space of joy in our life is, is one of these things that isn't just something that's going to happen to you because you're breathing air. Joy is one of those things that, that we, we, God wants for us and he's, he's made provision for us, but joy is one of those things that you've got to choose in life. You've got to choose the, the environments that you're going to put yourself in. You've got to choose the people that you're going to hang around you got to choose some of these things that are going to foster joy and build it in your life. And so much so that, that there was this prophecy spoken about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 61. And it's really the platform that we've built this series out of. And it's this declaration of something that God wants for you. It's this declaration of something that Jesus came and we sang about it this morning that he hung and died on a cross so that you could experience life more than what you're experiencing right now. So that you could shed some of the the pain and the weight and the difficulty of life and experience this, this new life in God. And one of the things that scripture teaches us here in Isaiah 61 is this. This is again what is being provided for us, the provision that was made for you and I. And here's what it says. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Man, I know that there's some of us sitting here this morning that if we look at our lives, we feel like our life is just burnt down. There's just nothing left but ashes. But Jesus promises that he wants to give you a crown of beauty. In other words, he wants to lift your life up out of difficulty and create beauty around it. And it goes on to say, and the oil of joy instead of mourning. Man, we've got so much mourning and grieving and pain and difficulty in the culture that we live today. Jesus came to be good news to you in your life. He came to surround you with this oil of joy. And then it goes on to say, and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. How many of you know it's a choice what kind of clothes you put on every day? And it's your choice whether you're going to put on a garment of praise to worship God and to thank Him regardless of what your circumstances like just because He's good. There's a choice that's made in that place and God wants to replace the heaviness that we feel in our life in fact, last week we were talking about that word heaviness and kind of some other passage in Scripture tells us that it actually feels like you're being choked out. Anybody have older brothers or sisters in the room? Come on, a few of them. How many of you ever got into a wrestling match with them and they put their arm around your neck and, man, you're fighting everything you get, and then all of a sudden, man, your body starts feeling a little tingly. All of a sudden, things start going like a little dark. Anybody ever been there? Come on. If you haven't, come over to our house. We've got four boys. I promise you. They will let you experience what that is. That's exactly what the Bible was teaching here when we are living in a spirit of heaviness, this weight that surrounds us in the culture that we're in today. There's no wonder that we live in a world and a culture where we are the number one depressed country in the world. That's not okay, church. We deal with suicide and more mental health issues today more than we have ever in the history of humanity. Why is that? 
Because there's a spirit of heaviness that is legit and real and trying to impact your life. And God has given you the antidote for it. But all too many of us aren't experiencing or not changing the, the spirit of heaviness for the garment of praise. We're just not willing to put those clothes on because maybe they're not as cool and in style as we think. And so we continue to live in this spirit of heaviness. And God's saying, I've provided for you some joy. I want you to enjoy your life. I want you to experience that Jesus died on the cross so that you could. And all too many of us and all too often we're going, no thanks, I'll just keep living over here in this spirit of heaviness. Can I just tell you, God has better for you. But you've got to choose joy in your life. Here's what I love. It goes on to say, And they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. In other words, your life is supposed to be put on display for other people to go, Aha, that's how I want to live my life. I need a little bit of what so-and-so's got. Right? I feel like I'm getting blown around and tossed around and burnt to the ground and I feel like I'm just getting ran over day in and day out. And there should be some people in this world, church, who are standing like oaks of righteousness that other people go, wow, how do they do that? How do they experience the pain and difficulty that they're experiencing in life and still have a smile on their face? What is, what is that all about? Can I tell you? They've learned how to choose joy. They put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. They've received the oil of joy and gladness in their life. Come on. And it's something that you can participate in in your life. It's what Jesus came to purchase for you. Here's, here's, here's the reality. The, over these three weeks, I'm teaching you some choices that you can make that on the other side of those choices will be joy. Come on. Somebody need to hear that this morning. There's some things that if you'll choose in life, that the result of them will be you experiencing this joy that God has promised to you. But the crux of this is you get to choose. And here's a statement that I want you to remember. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again today. Listen. Choices lead and feelings follow. Your choices will lead you in life and feelings will follow the choices that you make. All too often, we get that backwards in the culture that we live in today. We let our feelings lead, and our choices, man, they just kind of come along at some point in time. And we wonder why in our life we're living through so much pain and difficulty because we're allowing our feelings to dictate our life. We live in a feeling culture, a feeling generation, and God wants us to learn how to come to the solid rock of His Word that provides us truth, and will bring to your life joy if you'll choose His way. If you'll choose His way. And so I just want to help you do that here. I want these, these times for us as we gather together to be moments where you can see a clear choice in front of you and make the choice to run to the place of joy in your life. Last week we talked about the first choice, and this is the choice of prayer. It's the foundation in our lives that anchors us in who God is and what He has for our life. We went through um, Philippians chapter 4 last week with Paul, who was a guy that was chilling out in prison, writing this letter to people, telling them to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Weird, I know. But there was something going on in his life that marked him, that allowed him to literally be in a dungeon and write, pen, write the words to the church that says, hey, rejoice. It's okay. 
relax. And then he goes on to say, and how you get to choose that place of joy in your life is through this beautiful vehicle of prayer. It's fellowship with God. It's just hanging out and talking with Him. And He gave us five principles. If you weren't here last week, I'm challenging you right now. Go online and listen to last week's message because there's five keys to prayer that will help you to choose joy in your life through the first choice of prayer. It's the foundation that God has for our lives. Here's the reality. Joy doesn't find you. You find it. Joy... We are, we are all too often waiting for joy to find us in this journey. And here's the reality. Pain is trying to track you down. Here's what the Bible tells us. I've got an even better one for you. That God's goodness is running after you. It's coming after you. And all too many of us are running away from it. We've got to turn. We've got to, we've got to run to joy. We've got to, we've got to begin to make some decisions in our life and some choices in our life that puts us in the place to receive all the joy that God has for us. You know, Paul's writings were full of this kind of encouragement. All throughout the New Testament of the Bible, we hear uh, this man named Paul who, who wrestled through all kinds of difficulties, encouraging us, calling us into this place of experiencing joy in our life. And ironically, Paul had kind of a weird testimony of that. In other words, Paul's life, if you were to look from an external view of Paul's life, you're like, man, this guy should be depressed. Right? Paul was the guy who throughout his writing said, man, I counted a privilege. Listen to these words. I counted a privilege that I got to be beaten five times within an inch of my life each time. I counted a privilege that I got to suffer like Jesus did. Jesus had that happen to him once right before he died. Paul had it happen to him five times. And Paul's words were, thank you. What are you talking about? That's crazy. That doesn't even make any sense. Paul's writing to the early church and he's writing to us and he's, he's challenging us to have an attitude of joy in our life, an attitude of appreciation for what God has done. Paul, you just got beaten almost to death. And Paul said, yeah, I am so grateful that I get to share in the sufferings of Christ. What do you do to a guy like that? Paul was sitting in prison, and, and the reality for Paul was, with it, was that the punishment in that time was that they were going to cut his head off. And Paul's declaration of his mouth was this, man, to live is Christ. So if I live, I get to go share Jesus. And to die is gain because I get to go to heaven. Live, die, I don't know. Either one I'm good with. What do you do with a guy like that? Come on, we listen. Maybe we should pay attention to what he's trying to tell us because the guy has something that most of us don't have on the inside. He's living with a joy and a peace and a contentment that many of us wrestle with when our bank account turns red. He's living with a joy that, that many of us have never really experienced in our life. And Paul was saying, hey, listen, I want to challenge you to choose joy in your life. Why? Because it's a way better way of living than living depressed all the time. And there's a hope that we're living for in our life that is not tied to the tangible things that we can feel in this life, but looks to an eternity with God that is way better than what we're experiencing right now. And some of us aren't convinced of that yet. But let me promise you, as the pain of life increases in your life, you will figure out very clearly there's got to be something better than this. 
That is the truth. And that's what Paul was walking through in his life. He chose joy. He had this attitude inside of him that propelled him forward to choose joy in what God had for him. We talked about prayer last week. We talked about its impact on our life. Today I want to talk with you about a different choice. I want to talk to you about the daily choice. If you have your notes in front of you, we're going to get into some spaces in that. I want to talk to you about the daily choice. And here's what the daily choice is. It's the choice of purity. Many of us have no real joy because we're carrying around way too much weight in our life. We're carrying around way too much shame, way too much insecurity, way too many of the things that, listen, Jesus went to the cross to die for so that you could be set free from. And because we're wrestling with shame and insecurities and fears and anxieties in our life, we never even get to enter into the joy that God has for us because this boundary of sin is in our life. Now, we never like to talk about sin in the church because it makes people feel bad. I just want you to know this morning, we're going to talk about sin. And the reason we're going to talk about sin is because the Bible talks about sin. And here's the the good news. I'm going to give you the, the end of the story before we get through the middle of it, right? The end of the story is Jesus died so that you could be forgiven of all of your sin. In other words, you don't have to carry that anymore. All the shame, all the insecurities. I don't even care what you did last night and neither does he. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be free in your life. Some of us are carrying bitterness and anger. And how many of you know those are all things that produce a brokenness in our life? And Jesus died so that you could experience freedom. But all too many of us are living in the, the bondage of this pain in our life because we've allowed a thief to come in and to steal our joy. And he steals our joy by getting us to get comfortable with our sin. Today, I just want to take all the shame and brokenness off of that space and just let the Word of God speak to us about how God loves to to walk us through that journey in life. In fact, in John 10.10, Jesus was speaking. This is what Jesus said. This thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. There is a very real plan that the enemy of your soul has for your life. He wants to steal from you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to kill you. And so he'll bring all kinds of hurt and pain and difficulty and shame and insecurities to your life that if you'll believe his lie will only drag you deeper and further away from all that God has for you. And there's this reality that, in fact, in the culture that we live in today, listen to me just for a second, we've actually believed a lie. We believe that God is actually the one that is trying to steal from our life. He's going to take away all the fun of life. and He's going to take away all the good things that I enjoy, all my friends. And he's going to take away, no, 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 no. That's, that's the lie that you've believed. Because what God's heart is for you is good. In other words, he wants you to experience the joy and the freedom that comes from being set free from sin so that you can live a life with purpose and joy expectation of what he has for your future, not fear that somebody's going to find out. Come on, church. So the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to give you life. And there's, there's three things that sin will steal from you in your life. Number one, sin steals your joy. 
Sin steals your joy. I want you to open up your Bibles if you've got them to Psalms chapter 32. And I'm just going to read a part of Scripture. And I want to paint you a picture of what sin looks like in our life and how it tries to rob joy from us. Here's what it says. Blessed is he whose transgressions or sins are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. Here, let, let me translate that for you. Joyful. Blessed, happy are those whose sins have been forgiven. They know about that. They've gone to Jesus and Jesus has washed and cleansed them. But for those that are hiding their sin in deceit, those that aren't being honest with themselves, there's some real broken space that comes there. Here's what it goes on to say. When I kept silent, in other words, when I didn't confess my sin, when I pretended like it wasn't a real thing, when I justified my sin, because there's other people who are worse than me. Anybody in the house this morning? When I kept silent about it, here's what it says. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. In other words, I was getting eaten up on the inside. When we don't confess our sin, when we're not honest about the brokenness of our life, this is what begins to happen. We just get eaten up on the inside. And there's many of us that are here this morning that are wrestling with some brokenness and sin in our life, and we're just not willing to call it what it is. And so we're sitting in this place of groaning. We're sitting in this place of disconnectedness from what God wants to do in our lives. And we can come and sit in a beautiful worship service like we got to experience this morning. We can even lift our hands, but there's just a, there's a disconnectedness that's happening in that moment. And the reason is, is because sin is ruling in your life. It's bringing you into a place of shame. Here's what it goes on to say. For day and night your hands were heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. In other words, we're feeling the pressure of that on our lives. And Here's what he goes on to say. I love this faith. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said... I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Can anybody say amen this morning? Come on. Goes on to verse 10. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who what? Trusts in him. And then here's the byproduct. Here's the fruit that comes out of our learning how to confess our sin, to openly declare that, that our sin is robbing us of the joy. Here's what happens. Here's, here's the first word. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all who are right, upright in heart. What happens when our sin is forgiven? We get to rejoice. Remember that word we talked about last, last week? Rejoice means that we're going to do it again and again and again and again. And it's rejoicing. Right, it's rejo It's finding that place of joy over and over and over again. So here's the reality: sin comes in to steal your joy. God wants to come in and give you rejoicing. Do you see the difference? Come on, sin will come and rob you every time. It'll put you in isolation. It'll keep you away from people. And that goes into our second point here: is that sin kills our lives. I want you to think about this: sin kills your life. What it begins to do, because you know what's broken on the inside of you, it begins to put separation between you and your relationships that are around you. All of a sudden, we begin to live a lie. We pretend that everything's good when it's really not. 
What happens to our relationships is our relationships begin to, to have these broken tensions that are in them. We begin to lie to our bosses and to our spouses and to our children and to our friends. We live in this place of cover-up, and the only thing that happens is we begin to die on the inside. It destroys, it kills our relationships. It leads us, and if we're not transparent and honest in our marriages, what it leads to is divorce. Did you know that? Because when we learn to just be honest with each other, and the struggles that we're wrestling with and the things that are happening in our life, we can find freedom and healing and joy in those places. But when we hide that stuff and then all of a sudden it comes out, it's just way more than that other person can even handle. And if we all along would have just been choosing this place of joy, choosing to, to live openly with our lives, and believe me, hey, listen to me this morning, I understand that it's not fun for others to know about the brokenness of your life. For some reason, we've talked, each one of us have talked ourselves into to the fact that everybody's just better than we are. Can I, we're all broken. Anybody here this morning? We're all broken in our lives. And, and the reality of it is, is your brokenness is not any worse or greater than mine. It's just the reality of sin in our lives. And we don't have to live in the fruit of that any longer because Jesus came to purchase for you some hope in your life. If you're feeling wrecked on the inside, that's because sin is having its way and not grace yet. I got good news for you. Just open your heart to Him. He, he wants to rush in there with His love and His grace. We sang about it this morning. Here's the third thing that sin does. Sin destroys your identity. Psalms 38, 4 says it this way. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I don't know about you, but I've been in this place in life where my bad choices, the sin of my life, just felt like this incredible weight crushing down on me of embarrassment, shame. And it pushed me into these places where, man, I just didn't even want to be around people. I certainly didn't want to go to church and worship God, be in the presence of God. This is exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to steal, kill. He wants to keep you as far away from the grace of God in your life so you have to figure out a way how to deal with the sin and brokenness of your life. Can I just tell you, you have no answer for it. Jesus is the only answer for the sin and the brokenness of our lives. It goes on to say, and I was bowed down and brought very low. All day long, there was mourning. See, this is what sin does to our life. It puts you in a place where your joy is stolen. It comes in and tries to choke you out and to kill you and destroy your life. And God's saying, oh, hold on, I've got so much better for you. So much better for you. Here's what I mean by this is there, there's a version of you that God sees that you don't yet. And all too many times we take on the identity of our sin and we begin to call ourselves by that instead of calling ourselves by who Jesus says that we are. Come on, some of you need to hear that this morning. There's some of you that are in here that are calling yourself by your addiction when Jesus says that you're a son or a daughter of God. Some of you that are in here that are carrying the guilt and shame of sexual immorality, of pornography. I know, we're not supposed to talk about those things in church, but we're going to. Why? Because they're impacting our lives. They're keeping us in shame and away from a God that loves us and desires to be with you. And all too often, we're taking on the identity of the brokenness of our life instead of leaning to the identity that comes through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and purchased for us. Come on, are you with me this morning? 
There's good news in this place for you. You do not have to carry all of that shame. What does Scripture teach us? How does Scripture teach us to, to overcome what's going on in our lives when it comes to sin? It's a very simple word that none of us like to say, but I'm going to say it this morning. It's the word repent. It's the word repent. It's a very simple word. It's not complicated in any way, but we've made it out to be almost like a swear word, right? Like if you have to repent, there's something seriously wrong with you. Well, yeah, that's kind of the point, right? The reality of it is we are broken. The reality of it is we do need Jesus. The reality of it is whether you like it or not, we need each other. That's how God designed this journey. So when it comes to sin in our life, sin, sin is not a big foe. Sin is not sin. Sin loves to make itself look like it's this giant in your life. Jesus went to the cross and slayed that giant. It's over and done with. The question is, will you receive what he's done for you? And that's what repentance is all about. That's what repentance does for us. Look at what Acts 3 says. This is the most beautiful picture of repentance here. It says, now repent of your sins and turn to God. Here's what it says. Repent of your sins. To repent means to recount. To say, hey, I've sinned in this area. And repentance is literally this. Everybody watching this morning, this is a really cool illustration. You've got to watch, right? Sin is this. I'm going this direction right here. I'm living in sin. And the Bible says repentance is you stop, you turn around, and you go towards God. Because if you're sinning, this might be a revelation for some of you, you're not going towards God. The sin that we live in in our life, whether it be our addictions, whether it be our bad attitudes, whether it be whatever pleasure that you experience in your life, is not leading you towards God. It's trying to pull your attention away from Him. That's what sin does. And when we repent, we stop, we turn around, and we go back towards God, turning our back on whatever that thing is, and then we get to experience something very beautiful and unique. Look what it says. And that your sins may be wiped away, then times of refreshment. Hello. I need a little bit of that. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and He will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. What happens when we repent? We have an encounter with Jesus all over again. Some of you, by the look on your face, need an encounter with Jesus all over again. Because you're carrying way too much weight in your life. You don't want people to know about what's happening. That's what sin does. It puts you in the prison of shame and fear. And Jesus comes to break you out of that place to say, hey, that's not who you are. What you've done is not who you are. You are who God says you are because he made you. He gets to define who you are. But all too often in the world that we live in today, man, we let what we've done in our past define us instead of letting our creator define us. And that's what repentance does. Repentance takes us from the place of going down the path that's only going to bring hurt and pain in our life and turns us around and gets us to look at our Creator and be reminded of who He says that we are. Come on, repentance is the most beautiful word you could ever experience in your life. Psalms 32.1, I want to read it to you how the message says it like this. What happens for those whose guilt has been forgiven? What joys when sins are covered over? What relief for those who have confessed their sin 
and God has cleared their record. And I don't know if you've experienced this before in life, but you need to. It's the moment where you just say with your own mouth, God, I am a complete dirtbag. Lord, I know that I've sinned against you. And Lord, I know that I did it intentionally. But I thank you for your grace that covers me right now. And, and there, is, there is a weight that comes off of our shoulders in that moment that is so different than just being happy. It's a forgiveness that comes on the inside of us and leads us into some beautiful freedom that God has for us. How do, how do I know this? Well, because the Bible tells me so. It's what I build my life on. It's what God wants you to experience His, His true joy in. And I want to give you four things as we close out our time this morning. We're going we're to plow through these real quickly. But I want to bring it to you out of, out of the book of Psalms. There was a guy named David, and uh, David made some big mistakes in his life. In fact, this psalm that we're about ready to read, Psalm 51, was written right after David had committed adultery and then had the woman's husband killed. Now, for those of you that are sitting here today, most of us don't have a criminal record like that, right? So it might be easy for us to go, man, David's kind of a turd, like he deserves what he gets, right? But David had a posture in his heart before God that when he did this thing, it overwhelmed him. Like he just, he, same concept of what we were saying, it, it just weight came upon him and and David walked through a four-step process of allowing God to come in and do a work in his heart to restore joy and to conquer sin in him. And here's, here were the four things, and we'll get into it. He, he, he asked God to wash him, to cleanse him, to create in him, and to restore in him. Now, many of you are going, oh, I've heard these Bible verses before. Yes, you have. We're going to take them today and apply them to our life so that we can learn how to choose daily the things that God has for us so that we can live pure and so that sin doesn't have us in a, in a, in a prison. Psalms 51.2 says this, Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Number one, number one for you, your daily choice is this. Daily choose to put to death your old sin nature. This is exactly what David was talking about here. Wash me, God. This, this old person that I once was, Lord, I'm asking you to come in and to wash that away in my life. I'm putting it to death. I'm choosing, God, that you have something better. This is not salvation. Salvation is the moment where we come before God and say, God, I, I have need of you. I'm a sinner. I need saved by grace. That is, a, that is a moment that transforms your eternal destiny. What we're talking about right here is the moment where David was saying, David, my heart, God, my heart is after you, but I messed up. Anybody ever been in that place before? Yeah, nobody wants to raise their hand. All right. There's this truth in this place that David's saying, God, I really, I messed up on this one. I committed adultery and I killed a man. And in that moment, he says, but God, I recognize your mercy and grace in my life. And so I need you to come and, and to wash me, God, from the dumb choices that I've made in my past. They will not define me. God, I'm inviting you to come in. And here's what Jesus said. You've got to learn daily how to take up your cross, deny yourself. To deny yourself means to put you aside, say, Jesus, I'm going to come follow after you. And then Jesus 
everything of my past, my life, my brokenness, my anger, my all of these spaces, Lord, I crucify them today. I put them on the cross. Lord, teach me how to live different. Wash me, Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 says this. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. i got good news for you this morning. All those urges that are inside of us because there is still a sin nature that is trying to rule in your life. You're being made new in Christ, but there's a sin nature that we live in every day. And it is trying to get you to do what it wants you to do. It's trying to get you to take that path that turns your back on God and where you pursue sin. Hear me. This is exactly what's going on in all. We all have the temptations. I don't know what they are for you, but I could give you them a number of them for me, okay? Impatience, anger, all of those things that all I have to do is get out on the freeway and anger comes to me. Anybody else? Right? All of a sudden it just starts bubbling up inside of me and I'm just going to drive somebody. I am not the pastor that you want me to be when I'm driving the car on the freeway. Come on now. Hey, don't laugh at me. I know you got some stuff too. Right? There's this reality that we're dealing And this is what, what was being spoken of. You don't ha- I don't have to be the angry guy. I can pause in that moment. In fact, here's how I do it. Before I even get out on the road in the morning, I'm inviting God. God, would you come into my life today? God, would you help me put to death the things of my past? God, it's easy for me to be angry. It's easy for me to be a jerk. It's easy for me to to walk in those places, God, I'm asking today. Today I'm crucifying those, and today I'm going to live in the new new life that you've purchased for me, Christ. Right? That's the washing that takes place. And then it goes on to say, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. Me, very literally. I'll probably get in a car wreck, road rage, I don't know. But here's what I do know for sure. Whatever sin we're playing with in our life, here's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is... You will die. Unless you receive the free gift that Jesus has purchased for you and the washing and cleansing that he wants to bring to your life every day, death will have its way in your life. But here's what it goes on to say. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. What that means is you will actually experience the life that Jesus has for you right here and now. This is not talking about eternity. This is talking about in this moment you can actually live a joy-filled life. If we go back to John 10.10, it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I came to give you life and that life more abundantly. How do you do that? You got to put to death daily the sin nature of our life. In other words, don't play games with it. Sin, here's here's what God spoke early on to mankind. He said, sin is crouching at the door of your life, waiting for you to open up And it just wants to take you out. The sin that you're playing with in your life right now that you're like, ah, it's just not that big of a deal, it'll get you. It'll get you. It's going to hurt one of your relationships. It's going to mess you up in the workplace. That sin that you're like, ah, it's not a big deal if I cut corners here. It's a big deal to your boss. When he finds out, you're probably going to be looking for a new job. Come on, church. These little things that we wrestle with in our lives, oftentimes we push them off the side and say, ah, they're no big deal. Someday they will be a big deal in your life. And that's what the Word of God is trying to warn you in. Don't even play games with those things. Kill them. Wash them away. 
Ask God to come in and take care of those in your life. Come on. Notice that in Romans here, um, that this was not a letter to unbelievers. This was written to the church of Rome. Saying, hey, don't, don't play with this area of sin in your life. Don't give any place to it. Because sin wants you to go down this path, but God has something better for you. And because, listen to me, the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have victory over sin. Because Jesus, who died on the cross and rose from the the dead and was victorious over sin, lives inside of you now. Now you have the ability to be victorious over sin. You just have to choose that. And the choice is daily saying, I'm putting to death that old sin nature. And here's, here's what he goes on to say. He said, wash me, and then he goes on to say, cleanse me. Uh, Psalms 51.7 says, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be cleansed. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Number two for you, the daily choice is, daily release my past and take another step towards my freedom. You've got to choose daily to walk away from the brokenness of your past and to take steps forward in the freedom that God has for you in your life. That is a choice that you make daily. Here's the other choice. You can choose to live in your past and never experience the freedom that God has for your present. Man, it's quiet in here this morning. You can choose to let your past hold you in chains and miss out on the present joys that God has for you in your life. But God's Word is instructing us, inviting us, hey, let God come in and cleanse you on the inside. All that stuff, that hurt, that brokenness, that shame the things of your family, the things that have marked you for life, those do not have to go with you for the rest of your journey. Jesus died so that you could be healed in those places. The reality of it is is God is constantly helping us to get to the next level of freedom in our lives. Daily, we've got to invite Him in to take us on that journey. He has some amazing things in here. Here's something that's, that makes a lot of us uncomfortable. God's design is that you would never do that alone. In fact, He designed it this way, that you cannot find healing in your life apart from walking with other people. James 5.16, I'm going to read it to you. The message says it this way. Make it your common practice. This was an instruction to the church. Make it, make it something that you do all the time. Just as much as we like to get together and have food. Man, I love Richard. Anybody ever had Richard's cooking? I would love to make common practice Richard's meals in my life. Why? Because he makes great food. Come on. This is what the Scripture says. Hey, make this common practice. Just like you getting out of bed in the morning, going and grabbing your cup of coffee. Make this a common practice. Make what a common practice, James? Here's what he says. Confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Oh, that sounds like fun. Like how many of us wake up in the morning going, hmm, who can I hang out with today and confess my sin to? In fact, I'm betting that not one person has ever said that in their lives. But this was God's design for us. Why? Because He doesn't want you to live in shame. He wants you to live in freedom. And the only way to experience the freedom that God has for you is through the pathway of Humility. And humility brings us into a relationship with each other where we just look at each other and we're like, listen, I know in my mind, I think that you're going to freak out about what I'm about ready to tell you. 
but really, you're just a person that's broken like me. So if I say this to you, you're actually going to be super excited for me because you get to experience this moment with me where I'm going to find freedom in my life because I'm not living in the dark anymore. And out of that place, something really cool is going to happen. I'm going to take a moment, I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to pray for me. And together, we get to experience the grace of God in our lives, and we can go and conquer a day that really looked kind of bad because I was hiding all this sin in my life. But in reality, man, this is pretty good. I can tell you some of the greatest moments of my life were the scariest moments of my life where I had to sit down with other men and women of God, look them in the eye and say, I've sinned in this way. And them go, man, I'm sorry, that's brutal. Let's pray. Not like, hey, could we relive that for a moment? Could you tell me what was going through your mind in that space? And man, that was pretty stupid of you. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the conversation that we play in our brain but in reality, I, I cannot tell you one time in my life that I've sat down and confessed sin to people that loved me in my life and had them be like, can't hang out with you, I'm out. Never once have I had that happen in my life. But yet that is the fear that lives inside of so many of us. That man, if I get transparent with people and they actually know what's going on in my life, man, they're going to look at me sideways. They're going like, to go to the other side of the street and walk around me. The truth of it is, we find so much connection with each other. And God created it this way. When we stop for a moment, just confess our sin. This is why small groups are so important here at River Valley. Because they provide an atmosphere, a place where we can just hang out a little bit and do life. Instead of being in the, the quick pace of what's going on on a Sunday morning, we get some time to just hang out and share a meal together maybe. Or sit around coffee and just talk and get to know each other. And all of a sudden you hear the story of somebody else's life and you're like, wow, they're... They're more like me than I thought. And all of a sudden, a moment comes where you can just be real with them. And man, there's a connection that takes place in that. And we don't find connection in our sin. We find connection in the work of the cross of Jesus in our life that says that we're forgiven. We don't have to live and carry that shame anymore. Man, I just, I so want you to experience that in your life. Because there's too many of you, too many of us, that are journeying through life alone, trying to deal with the pain and the weight of our sin by ourselves. And God's saying, I never created you that way. You can't carry that weight on your own. There's many Christians that have been in church for a really long time and confess their sins to God, but they still wrestle with it over and over and over and over again in their lives. It's because they've never confessed it to anybody else. Scripture tells us you will never be healed I didn't say forgiven. You're forgiven. You just aren't being healed from the brokenness of that place in your life because you've never confessed it to somebody else in your life. And believe me, I know it's scary. But it's worth taking that journey. When you experience that moment of healing, come on, come here. I wish it was something that I could just impart to you and give to you. But the only way that you can experience it in life is by showing up. It's by going through the process. It would be like me trying to explain to you how, how beautiful the Serengeti is. But I can't. I've been there and seen it. I've experienced it. The smells, the sounds, the, the wild animals. Like I've, I've seen that, but all of you are like, yeah, that's cool. I'll go watch it on National Geographic. But if you were to be there, it'll take your breath away. Like, I remember driving through the Serengeti and just tears pouring down my face 
because I couldn't believe that I was experiencing and seeing the beauty of that. God wants you to experience that in your life from the deepest places of your heart. He doesn't want you living in shame and fear. He wants you to experience the freedom and the joy that comes in Him. The next thing we see David say is, wash me, cleanse me, and here's what he says now, now create in me. Psalms 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. The daily choice, number three, daily pursue God's plan for your life. What does that mean? That means His way is just better than your way. I, I can't say it any more plain than that. The plan that God has for your life is just better than anything that you have for your own. Why? Because He created you. Some of you are wrestling with that concept this morning. The creator of the universe knows what he designed in you specifically. And nobody can define that better in your life than him. And so when we learn to lean into his plan for our lives, we get to experience the beauty and wonder of all that God has for us. Romans 12, 2 says it just like this. It says, don't copy the behaviors or customs of this world, but let God transform you <clears throat> into a new person by changing the way that you think. You become a new person, not by new fashions, not by new, new styles, not by even just hanging out with new people. You become a new person by the way that you think being changed. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. God's way is just better. I'm just going to tell you that over and over and over again. God's way for your life is just better than any plan that you've ever had for yours. Just know that. And he wants to show you his, his good and pleasing will. He wants to give that to you. You've got to choose that in your life with him. Then the final thing that, that we see David teach us is restore to me. Psalms 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. There's a key word there. Your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is what David was saying. God, teach me about the joy of your salvation. What is the joy of of your salvation. It's not that your sins are forgiven. The joy of your salvation is that now the testimony of your life can give hope to somebody else who doesn't know this Jesus. The joy of your salvation is not that you get to go to heaven. The joy of your salvation is that somebody else hears or sees about that in your life and their life is changed. How do I know that? Because look at verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. That's the joy of salvation, when my life gets to teach other people how to connect with God. It's a powerful, powerful place. My life impacting others, and the work that God's done inside of me, when it makes a difference in somebody else's life, that's the joy of salvation. That's the restore to me, the joy. There's a restoration that takes place in our lives, listen to me, where we're reminded that our Christian walk is not about our personal comforts or, or satisfaction. It's about our lives leaving an impact on other people so that they can make heaven their home. That is what the Christian faith is all about. The process of what God is doing on your life every day is to give you a testimony for somebody else that God can even work in their lives. If He can work in you, He can certainly work in them. Amen? And that's the reality that we're learning and growing in. Number four, that our daily lives impact others. There's all kinds of ways that we can make a difference in the lives of other people. I'm standing here today because some people took time in my life as a young man 
I'm standing here today not because my family background is perfect. My dad committed adultery, divorced my mom, put us in a horrible place as a family. But through that, God did something extraordinary and put a hunger inside of my mom to be around the body of Christ. And from that place, she got saved. And, and I got to be around people who loved Jesus, who made an impact on my life. And at seven years old, I remember being in a Christmas play in the back of this building right here and getting an opportunity to invite Jesus to come and be the leader of my life, changed my life forever. And I've been on a journey ever since then of experiencing this reality, had had men and women who impacted my life, the Greg Heidemans of the world and the Steve Gregors of the world and the John Crosses of the world who came along me in my journey of life and spoke life to me and taught me how to, how to get into God's Word and to receive the love of God into my life who demonstrated what the Father heart of God was to me and how I could embrace Him and learn from Him and love the, the work that God was doing in me. There are literally hundreds of people who have impacted my life and I get to be on this platform today because of their work Towards me. I get to read out of this Bible right here. A Bible that was given to me by my sister when I was 12 years old. That is so much writing and marking, all kinds of stuff in it. Because of her investment in my life, I get to hold this in my hand and it's changed my life forever. See, the little things that our lives can leave an impact on other people in is far greater than what we could even imagine. And all too often we're living our lives just to find the comfort for ourselves and we're missing out on the real joy of this journey. And the real joy of this journey, listen to me, is that our lives are making an impact on those that are around us. I want to give you a real practical, uh, a practical reality of what that looks like. We as a church are partnering with something that's about ready to happen in the Treasure Valley here in May. I'm, I'm, I can't tell you how excited I am about what God is doing in our city. This is one of the components of it, and it's a thing called Boise Harvest. I want you to watch this video. It's just going to give you a little explanation of it. The Word of God is relevant. Greg Laurie, knowing this to be true, shares straight from the Bible. He talks from his heart of his own personal experiences as it relates to his journey in life with Christ. In his message, he appeals to the soul of man, pointing men, women, and children to Christ. Light shines brighter when things are really dark. Things are dark in our nation right now. Things are dark in our state right now. We need to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know a lot of you are sitting here today and you have your different problems and issues and I don't know what that is, but God does. And this word does, and this word has the ingredients and the tools that you need in order to figure your life out. Yes. I searched for the earth for something that could satisfy. A peace for the hurt I had buried deep inside. God can change you on the inside. Knees on the floor, I finally found everything I need. Because you've tried to be a better person. You've tried to break free from the power of alcohol. You've tried to turn away from that lifestyle of drugs. You've tried to live that sexually pure life, but none of it has really worked, has it? Well, that's because the problem is within. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. God can change our heart. 
when Gregory was saying that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart, like that was like you like you just said it. That like changes my entire perspective on everything. Well, it's my first time being here. I've been invited a couple times to come, and I always just like, oh no, I don't have time, and I always make excuses. So I said to myself, if nobody comes with me, I'm gonna come by myself. It made me realize, you know, he's the only one that actually can change our life. I've been through some hard, hard times, and it's just good to accept, to believe in God and be here. My message is not politics, it's the Prince of Peace. It's not Christianity, it's Christ himself. It's not rules and regulations, it's real freedom from the power of sin. It's not religion, it's relationship. I'm here proclaiming Jesus to you tonight. I was really clean for four years and I started really messing up and I was in jail for like three days. It was the most horrific thing I've ever gone through. So I'm just coming back to God and I'm really sorry for what I did. probably the biggest sinner in the whole world. Let me tell you what God says. God says he created you. God says he loves you. God says he has a plan for you. Your life is not an accident. person to say, Jesus is rejoicing over you. He's been wanting you to have this relationship, and now you get to have this relationship, I think is the biggest blessing. Wow. This is a holy moment here in the Angel Stadium, folks. Because not one, not ten, not a hundred, not a thousand, hundreds and hundreds and even thousands are coming to Jesus. God is faithful to his word. To him, we give all the glory. Come on. Can we give God a hand for that? The word of God is relevant. Greg wow, Glory knowing this to be true. So we get to be a part of this in our community. May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, Greg Lowry and his church. Just so you know, this isn't like some, some organization. This is a local church out of California, and these are outreaches that they do to cities all over the world. And we get to be a part of that together as a church. And we talked about today our lives leaving an impact on others. Can I just tell you something this morning? There is no greater impact that your life will have on somebody else than when you give them an opportunity to know God. And leading up to this event, we are beginning some work together with other churches. There's over 120 churches throughout the Treasure Valley that are going to be a part of this event. And, and the way that we kick it off is through the greatest and most powerful platform that we have that God has given to us, and it's through the place of prayer. And all of you were given a little, little card that's in front of you right now, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to close out our service today. And on that card, it has five blanks, both on top and on bottom. And I'm asking you to take just a moment here. Maybe you're here today, and this is your first time ever being in church. First of all, we're just so glad you're here, hanging out with us today. But maybe you're here today, and you don't know a whole lot about church, but here's what I do know. You probably have some people around you that are hurting. 
desperately need some help in life. For those of you that are followers of Jesus in the room, I know for a fact that you have people around you that God has put around you in your life. Here's what we're going to begin to do to make an impact in their life. We're going to first begin through the place of prayer. I'm going to ask you to write down five names on there, on the top and on the bottom. The top part you're going to keep, and I'm going to ask you to either put that into your Bible, a place that you go into in prayer. Maybe you need to stick it on on the dash of your car. I want you to be reminded daily to pray for those five names. And we're going to ask God to give us opportunity to make an impact in their lives. The bottom piece I'm going to have you tear off, and we're going to have you hand it to to the ushers as you leave today. And our staff and our pastoral team and our elders are going to be praying over those names. And we're going to be praying between now and May 1st, asking God to give you and me opportunity to invite some people to connect with Jesus, to experience the love and the grace and the forgiveness that comes through Him. And and we're going to be a part of what's going on at uh, Boise Harvest. It's going to take place down at at, um, what used to be Taco Bell Arena, now it's called Extra Mile. We're going to pack that place out with people who need to know Jesus. And not only are we going to have a wonderful event where people are going to connect with Jesus, but we're going to follow, we're going to walk with those people as they come out of that moment of making a declaration for Jesus in their life. And we're going to walk with them in discipleship. We're going to help them to connect to the family of God. And they've got a wonderful platform for us to be able to do that together. But I'm asking you right now to take just a few minutes just to write some names on those. There's pens in front of you in the chairs. If you need a pen, you can grab one from behind you. But I want you to do it right now so that as we leave today, you have some people and we have some people that we're praying for and believing for God to do something extraordinary in their life. Come on, if we don't have the faith that God can reach our friends and our neighbors and our children and our co-workers, then can I just tell you, you don't have a whole lot of hope for you. Because Jesus reached out and grabbed you from where you were at, and it might just be that time for your co-worker. It might be that time for a friend. There's some of you that are sitting here. It might be that time for your spouse or your child who's far from God. Here's what I know. When we begin to pray, God moves. We know that. James 5.16 tells us that the prayers of a righteous person, they're powerful. They're not just things that are floating up in the sky. They're powerful. They're making a difference. I want you to take just a few minutes here. You're filling those out. Because I believe that God wants to do something extraordinary through your life and mine. As we get to see people who are far from God connect with Him through an incredible event. I'm just believing that God's going to give you opportunities between now and then to just show and demonstrate the love of God. And then at some point in time through this journey, you're going to have the boldness and the faith to look at your friend because God's going to give you opportunity for you to be able to look at them and just say, hey, would you come with me? I want you to hear about this Jesus who's changed my life. Something that God has for you. As we close our time together, hopefully you've taken a few minutes and filled out some names. I just want you to bow your heads right where you're at if you would. We're just going to pray. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.